Father Larry Richards joins Bishop Caggiano on Let Me Be Frank today. You've probably heard Father Larry. He gives talks at conferences all over the country and on Catholic media, exhorting men to step up and be true men for God and for their families. Well, he's coming to Connecticut next month to join the bishop. They're both going to be speakers at the Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference, where they will be speaking about the Eucharist. This should be a fun conversation, so keep it right here at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM or on the Veritas mobile app on your phone. If you don't yet have the app, go right now and get it from the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or VeritasCatholic.com. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from our wonderful sponsor, Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs here in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship, and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning to you, my friends. Morning, Excellency. So it's two weeks in a row that we have a guest here, Excellency. Yes, Ooh. good. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who the guest is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the listeners, today our guest is uh, a featured speaker, along with um, Bishop Caggiano, at the upcoming Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference. And if you can't tell, you might be able to tell by the voice already, it is the well-known Father Larry Richards. Mm. Father Larry was ordained to the priesthood on April 21st, 1989, for the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania. Father Richards has served as pastor of St. Joseph Church and Bread of Life Community, and he is truly a man who makes things happen. So Father has founded the Divine Mercy Encounter Retreat Program in the Diocese of Erie. He has founded the Reason for Our Hope Foundation in 2004, which is dedicated to spreading the Catholic faith through multiple media resources, as well as by promoting Catholic speakers for evangelization. And in March of last year, 2021, Father Larry began his weekly podcast called Anchored in Hope, where he answers listener questions. And you can find his podcast on ourhope.tv or on YouTube or wherever you get your, your podcasts. And like I mentioned, he's going to be here in Connecticut in September for the Catholic Men's Conference. And you can get more information and tickets for that conference at ctcatholicmen.org. Father Larry Richards, thank you so much for joining us today. So great to be here with you guys. You know what, Father Richards, from that description, and you're a full-time minister, for full-time pastor, you are one busy guy. You are. I really am very busy. busy. <laughs> I'm leaving for London in an hour, right after this uh, radio interview. I'm, I'm flying out to London, me and my classmate, for a seven-day uh, vacation. Good for you. Well-deserved. Oh, I hope you enjoy it. Good. Me too. I haven't been there before, so we're going to see. Yeah, it's a great city. So when I lived in Rome, Good. I went twice to visit. Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Good but job. now listen, so Father yep. Richards, first of yep. all, I'm looking forward to, we've met once before, 
Right? Yes, and we're going to meet again enough. in person. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Hmm? In Connecticut. It'll be good to be with conference. you. I yeah, don't know if they're going to be able to handle two of us at the same time. But I, we'll I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> it. But I know my place. You don't have to worry. <laughs> but now, listen. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So now, everybody gets the same question when you come on my podcast. <clears throat> Tell, tell us your vocational story. Who is Father Richards? Where did he come from? Uh, I came to Jesus when I was 17 years old by by way of Billy Graham, of all people. If, uh, the older people remember Billy Graham, but not the younger people, you know, because I was uh, I was in English class at a public high school and we were in the play Our Town. And in the play Our Town, you know, the main character dies. If you haven't read the play or saw the movie, she dies. Sorry. But anyway, but she was sitting in the graveyard. And as she's sitting in the graveyard, she's talking to other people about, uh, can I go back to live parts of my life? And they said, well, you can, but you're not going to want to. And she goes, no, I want to. So she went back and lived like her 15th birthday or whatever. But anyway, what hit me when I was in English class reading the play was I was going to die someday. And I, it really hit me like 100 years ago, I didn't exist. And I thought 100 years from now, I won't exist again. So what's the thing? And just because I was brought up Catholic doesn't make it true. I could have been brought up Buddhist. I could have been brought up Jewish. I could have been brought up Muslim. Just because you're brought up something doesn't make it true. So I wanted to find out what was true. And so I would sit every day in downtown Pittsburgh. I'm a Pittsburgher because God's a Steeler fan. And as I would be down there every day, I'd sit in the church of the Epiphany and I'd say, Jesus, are you real? Aren't you real? Do you care? Don't you care? And one day, Christ revealed himself to me. And I said to him, uh, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my life? And he says, I want you to be a priest. So I entered seminary at 17. But it was Billy Graham who pushed me towards Jesus. And so, and then it's always funny because Billy Graham, uh, that's, I have a style, like some people think I'm a Protestant preacher, you know, because my style is very strong. But my father was a Presbyterian, lived and died a Presbyterian. So I have the both in me throughout the beginning. But it was really the Blessed Mother because my mother, I got baptized on March, uh, I mean, April 17th, 1960. It was Easter Sunday, and it was also my mother's 19th birthday. And right after I was baptized, she took me over and she went before the image of our Blessed Mother, and she gave me away to the Blessed Mother. Right then, she knew what kind of boy I'd be, so she got rid of me at birth. But anyway, Mary took me. And as Mary took me, I always, when I had got my uh, first mass, I dedicated my, it was at the Carmelite Monastery in Erie, PA, and they sang Salve Regina. And every year on my anniversary, I dedicate and rededicate my life to the Blessed Mother, uh, to Jesus. And so it's always like Mary took me by the hand, Billy Graham took the other hand and led me right to Jesus. And I remember whatever, whatever you want, Jesus, I will do. And so I entered seminary at 17 and I'm 62 years old and I love the priesthood more than ever. People, when I got ordained, I'm walking down the aisle and I'm waving. I'm so excited. And some of the other priests sat there and says, oh, Larry, as you get older, that'll go away. Shut up. I love priesthood more today, 33 <laughs> years later than I did that day I got ordained. It's the greatest life ever. So you're a pastor in Erie? I'm a pastor. I just finished my 20th year. I start my 21st year in inner city parish. I'm always home every Sunday. That's why up at your place, I leave so early because I have to get back to my parish. So you're the, the pastor of the same church for almost 21 years? Two years. St. So Joseph they, Church, Bread of Life Community. So basically, you are now at the point where you're going to start baptizing 
the children of those you baptized. Absolutely, it's already happened. <laughs> Has it? How does it make and you feel why, old? Old. Oh, I feel very old, especially I think, holy cow, but that's okay. It's okay. It's a great, uh, it's a, it's a great life. I love being a pastor too. It keeps me grounded. Too many speakers. Like I'm on the road almost 40 times a year. Well, until COVID hit. Now I'm just getting back up and going again. But again, though, my people see me every Sunday. That's always the deal. And um, so, and we have perpetual adoration at my parish. And so there's a little sign that sits there and says, Father Larry, so-and-so, I'm here speaking. Like when I'm up your area, they'll be right there. So I know there's two people praying for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's how they uh, they uh, are part of the evangelization that I do. But we've been doing this for 20 years and we keep growing by God's grace. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. So now talk, talk to me about the foundation you created. What is the, the foundation is the reason for our hope and the the purpose of the foundation of course is to bring everyone to an intimate relationship with jesus you know too often people talk of, about uh, doom and gloom and christ came to give give us hope you know no matter how dark the darkness is if you light one little match or one little candle the darkness can never conquer the light and so christ is a light and then he says you are the light so we need to be people that are proclaiming hope and light to the world and not be doom and gloom and you know again those type of people i just want to run from sometimes instead of like do we follow the same jesus christ you know this jesus who says as the father has loved me that i have loved you that i have come you know i always quote uh john 3 16 because everybody knows that god so loved the world that he gave his only son but then i say uh did you ever get to the next verse you know, John three seventeen that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And I said, if God didn't send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn it, he didn't send you into the world to condemn it either. We need to bring hope to the world and then people will be drawn to Jesus. So that's the whole point that everyone comes into this intimacy with Jesus. And so we do it with various talks and different things. And we just started a new app called uh, Our Hope TV so that everybody can look at everything free of charge. Like my big thing is you don't charge for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You give it away. So we do it. So almost every talk you could ever imagine, we want to constantly bring hope and everyone to Christ. So then it's a, it's a foundation. Are you the chair of it? or I am the president and founder. And we also are different that every year we give at least uh, $20,000, $30,000 away to those who are living the gospel. So we take care of an orphanage in India. Oh, we wow. have a, uh, we buy Bibles for all the Catholic high schools here because I want, you know, again, Catholics aren't good about reading their scriptures. And I have a saying, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. You gotta enter into his word every day. So we buy these scriptures for all the high school kids so that they can immerse themselves in the word of God and they can do that all the days of their life. Mm -hmm. So, so, oh, fascinating. It's fascinating. So you're a priest 33 years. 33 years. And what got you on the, on the talking circuit, if I could put it that way? How, when I was, you? Uh, <laughs> I, well, it was just kind of weird because I was just doing stuff for my own parish and I had a talk out, I had a couple talks on confession. And so um, the Mary Foundation, when the Mary Foundation was big, they sat there and they called me and they says, uh, can we put out your confession talk? And I said, sure. I said, I hadn't heard it in a while. So I, I should have listened to it before I sent it to him. But anyway, because <laughs> uh, they sent it out. So uh, again, so that confession, it was, remember the, it was cassette tapes. 
And they had right on there because it was confession. It says for adults only. And my boys, I used to teach all, uh, I taught at a Catholic high school boy college. That's how I got to know Justin Patika. And so by a boy high school. And so they used to sit there and say all the time, Father Larry puts out adult tapes. And you know, you miserable. Because it said it right on there. So that confession talk is over three, four million uh, around the world now. So that's really what got me uh, started was just that confession talk. And then we did one on the mass explained and the truth. And, and so then we started our own foundation so we could do things uh, more freely. And so, uh, but again, it's, uh, I go, I always take the thing that my style is uh, I make people laugh <laughs> and I punch them in the stomach and then I go, I make them laugh and I punch them in the stomach. That way they can take it better. The truth, you know, because I think that uh, we got to be speaking truth, but we got to be doing it in a way that it can be received, you know? Oh, so uh, I absolutely agree. I, Steve and I have talked about this over and over again about the, the, the um, obligation of the preacher is not just to preach the truth for the sake of preaching it, but to preach it in an effective way so that it sure. can be heard. That's where the rubber hits the road, unfortunately, right? Okay. Because exactly. every audience is different, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So again, but it's uh, by God's grace, it's always been part of, uh, you know, remember, uh, was it uh, one of the Protestant ministers? And I always say, the Holy Spirit sets me on fire and people come to watch me burn. You know, and so it's and I, you know, we're going to start with our foundation, the thing about how to preach, you know, for priests and deacons, because the number one complaint in the States is that preaching. And so but my whole thing about preaching is it has to be anointed. It has to be, you know, filled with the spirit of the living God. So the preacher got to get out of the way and let the God take the control of them to be enthusiastic, filled with God, but to be authentic too to who they are, you know. And so I just think that it's such a need today that there's the devil proclaiming everything on the internet and everything else that we got to be proclaiming it louder and stronger. Right. And I have a big internet presence just for that reality. Right. You know, right. so my God is good. You know, that's an excellent point. And, and, and part of the challenge that we face as a church, which, you know, you are responding to effectively is uh, this is the way I kind of see the online world as the wild, wild west. Mm. It can take you anywhere. It can take you to places that you would never even have imagined wanting to go. It just is the nature of the beast. And for our young people in particular, they got mm. they get sucked into so many different things exactly. before they even know it, right? So then we have to create oases, places that you could point people to and say, okay, if you're looking, go to X, go to Father Larry's, go to Bishop Barron, go to this one, go to that one, all right? Because you can land there. It's a safe place to sit for a while. To exactly. you get your bearings again, right? And, and my I biggest... Go ahead. No, please. please. No, you go, Bishop. Go ahead. No, what I was thinking is part of what, what we still have to figure out is how to get the lifelines to those who are, you know, kind of lo meandering, lost in that virtual world. I always exactly. wondered to myself... You know, to buy a banner, an advertising banner, in certain places that ordinarily the church would never be present, exactly. could actually be a healthy way to say, wow, my God, what, what, why don't I click on this? Exactly. I think that's what Pope Francis, when he talks about to have the smell of the sheep, 
that we got to go to where these people are to save them. You know, some people say, Father, stay off the Internet. It's not good. It's a bad place. I go, that's exactly why I got to be on the Internet to bring light to that darkness. And again, I don't make comments about anything anymore. You know, I got, you know, you people no matter what. So all I do is every morning I put a scripture verse on from the daily readings. And it's usually a kick in the butt because we all need a kick in the butt. And then every night it's a comfort. So it's a scripture verse, just a scripture verse with, you know, God loves you. God's holding you. Cause I think we all need both. We need a challenge, but we need our comfort too, that God is still with us. And no matter how we're doing, and then I put a picture at it at night. So people from all over the world sit there and take that. And at least it gives them some fishing line yes. as you talked yes. about of, yes. okay, I can hold on to this, not father Larry. I can hold on to the word of God. And right. that's where I just think it's the word of God we keep using as our bait right. as we're fishing. Right. It's the greatest right. thing. Talk to me about your congregation back at church. Is It's diverse, ethnically, racially diverse? It, or It's uh, Erie is not very ethnically diverse at all. So uh, right. it's an inner city parish. Uh, very few people actually live in the, the parish. They come from all over because what we are is St. Joseph Church, a bread of life community. So St. Joseph Church is an old inner city a German parish. It was just about dead, less than 300 people total when I got here 20 years ago. And then, but I brought in the Bread of Life community because the Bread of Life community is a charismatic community. Now, when the bishop, our old bishop, Bishop Troutman, God rest him, he called me in and says, I want you to become the administrator of the Bread of Life community. I go, absolutely not. I said, you're making me the head of the nuthouse. He says, I'm not asking. I go, oh, it's oh, an obedience thing you man. guys get, you know, miserable. <laughs> so he said, I'm not asking. And I said, okay, I'll go because I've always been obedient. Huh, bishops love that one. But anyway, so I sat there and uh, I went and I took over this uh, Bread of Life community. And so as we grew, we wanted to, uh, we were out of the seminary and that. So we wanted to merge with another parish, a dying parish. That's how we became St. Joseph Church the bread of life community. So we have various, we have a, a charismatic type mass, if you will, there ain't many charismatics left, but again, it's more, uh, you know, drum synthesizer worship, but the other one is more traditional. We did have four masses a week until last week because everyone in our diocese, COVID killed us, you know, so we're all down on over 20% as a diocese, you know, and so I cut the masses down to two, so that we can start growing again and bring fellowship and start working together together on community again. Because we had four, and so none of them were that crowded. So I said, okay, I talked to the bishop. They all want us to start, because uh, in the city of Erie, it's very Catholic. In the area, we have about 32 Catholic parishes. And there's only, in the area, 300,000 people. So we're all blocks away from each other. So probably like your diocese, like the Germans wouldn't worship with the Irish, and the Irish wouldn't worship with the Polish and the Polish. So they all have their own, we're all blocks away from each other. You know, just from here, the cathedral's uh, seven blocks down the road. The next parish is one mile over. The next parish is one mile over. So we're very condensed. So what's happening is everyone uh, is going to all the parishes, but nobody is full. So they're going to start closing parishes. We're starting to consolidate our masses and that. So we used to have uh, uh, 8.30, 11, and 7 on Sunday. So there's no one in Erie with a 10 o'clock mass. So they asked me to go with a 10 o'clock mass and merge. That's what we're doing. But our, our, our parish is still vibrant. 
It's just the numbers are not where they used to be. So that's what we're working on now. Yeah, I think, see, in my diocese is interesting. My experience post-COVID or Mm intra-COVID is that in the aggregate, we're still down about 30% in total attendance. Mm. But it's a tale of two cities because there are a number of parishes that have more people coming to Mass now than they did before COVID. Sure. Some significantly. (laughs) And then there are others that are only 42% of the population has come back to Mass. And Mm. I think people are voting in part with their feet if they're coming back. Right. And again, in our diocese, just on our Erie West Deanery, we have 50,000 Catholics, but only 20,000 are going to church right now. And that's just one part of Erie. So we're saying, okay, where are these other 30,000? And so my biggest thing is that we got to evangelize. We just can't sit there and say, well, people aren't coming to church. Well, we go get them or give them stuff that they're attracted to. So That's why we're rebuilding again in our church. When we got started, we'd actually go door to door to everyone in the parish. You know, every person, Catholic, Protestant, Jews, whatever in the parish and just say, hey, we have perpetual adoration. And we're the only di- only parish in the whole diocese, 13 counties with perpetual adoration. So would you, is there anything you'd like us to pray for? So it was a very subtle evangelization, not a Protestant, you know, not Protestantizing, but just reaching out and saying, we want to pray for you. That's all. And it's really been. Uh, but we're going to redo that again. So that's what we're doing. I says, after 20 years, you start redoing things. It's a marriage it did in the beginning. Well, it's also a very different world in 20 years, isn't Absolutely. it? Yeah, it's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot more secularized. My sense is Pennsylvania into the Midwest is still a fairly dominant religious sentimentality or sentiment. Sure. In yep. New England, as Steve, uh, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but in New England, we are much more secularized. And now wow. becoming hostile. Yeah, that was oh, my reaction. My. See, I grew up in Brooklyn, as you know. So sure, I'm thinking sure. New England is, you know, there's a, a, I always imagine New England to have a very uh, observant and vibrant religious sentiment until I actually came to Fairfield County <laughs> and discovered it's very secular. And the further north yeah. you go, I think it's more secular. Sure. Right? Steve, is that Absolutely. fair? Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, I'm always from New England. I was born and raised here, so that's all I know. But yeah, that's my experience. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so it's, it's so COVID has raised some interesting possibilities on how to evangelize because in a sense, it's almost missionary. Absolutely. And, and we I were think, on a, I'm on a, go ahead. No, no, please. We got when both of you are talkers. That's the problem. <laughs> no, I'm deferring we were, to you. You're my guest. You go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, I spoke at, I was in Glockmognois the year after you were there. You spoke there many years ago, and yes. I spoke the next year. They all liked you better, Bishop. Just so you, know. uh, you, you, you should not lie if you want to go to heaven. They stop did, lying. honest to goodness. They said, oh, we love that, Bishop. You're kind of strong. I said, oh, my gosh. But anyway, so yeah, again, I just think all the things we got to do, like I'm on the uh, the thing for money, you know, for the diocese. And when we first got together, they says, you know, in 20 years, the people that give the money the most now are going to be dead. So we have to start thinking about how we can raise money. And I sat there and says, I'm not interested in helping us raise money. I'm interested in helping us make disciples of Jesus. And then disciples of Jesus will give money. But I says, we got to make sure that our focus is on discipleship that gotta be like, even when I come up to the men's conference, my biggest thing is because I believe even people that go to men's conferences and mass, they know about Jesus, but they don't always know Jesus. 
Right. And so the whole point is to invite them into the intimacy with, you know, the teaching of the church, as you know, well, is who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? He made me to know him, to love him and serve him. So I always say, so do you really know Christ? Not about him, but to know him, because if not, you haven't even begun to live why God created you. So it's always inviting us into deeper prayer and to really get to know the Lord Jesus. And that's what I do at every mission and I do it uh, when I'm at a men's conference. So we'll be doing it up there too. We're gonna have to take a break in two minutes, but I just wanna share one insight with you. And I'm just curious as what what your view is. But when I, I have a funny impression, our backgrounds growing up were kind of similar. You and Erie meet in Brooklyn. It was, it was a Catholic world. It was a neighborhood world. It was Catholicism was not just in the four walls of the church, but it was, we kind of lived and breathed Catholicism. And we were formed that way. Mm -hmm. I guess in a sense, what's so radically new is our young people are not, don't don't have Mm -hmm. that experience. Exactly. And, And how do we, in a new way, recreate it so that Catholicism is not just when they pick up a podcast or they come to church, but it's a, a fabric of their life. And that's the uphill battle, right? Exactly. And I think that, you know, the deepest need in everyone's heart is to be loved. So that's where we hit them. We love them where they are and we bring them to where Jesus wants them to be. Right. And so often, you know, again, before God gave the Ten Commandments, he first set his people free from slavery. That's the way it's supposed to be. We hit people with commandments who have never been set free from their slavery. It doesn't work. And it's proven that now. So we got to come back to letting people be set free from their sins and their slavery so that they can experience and then live the commandments of Christ. Well said. Well said. Excellent. Okay. So this is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. And uh, His Excellency is talking to Father Larry Richards the pastor of St. Joseph Church and the head of the Bread of Life community in Erie, and also the president of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. We'll be right back after this break. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450. 
and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Bishop Caggiano is speaking today with Father Larry Richards, a well-known speaker and author and uh, dynamic priest. Yes, and a phenomenon. Now, Father Richards, <laughs> okay. Father Richards yes. you, in your spare time, which you have so much of, I see, yes. uh, you also are, are an author. You have written a number of books. So talk, yes. take us through your literary career. Tell there us, tell us about these books. I uh, The first one I had was Be a Man, because I sit there and I deal with men so often in my life. And so in dealing with the boys that I had at Cathedral Prep, they were looking at the wrong people to what manhood is. You know, they'd look at sports people or people that played on bands or people that were actors. And I wanted to get them to get into what it is to be authentically masculine, you know, so a person of Jesus. Now, sometimes when people look at my Be a Man book, they think it's a macho book and it's the opposite. You know, it's the uh, to be a man means you lay down your life for God and others. You know, St. John Vianney says this is the glorious duty of man that we pray and that we love. And so the whole book is primarily about learning to pray. You know, like each one is like the second chapter is be a man who is a beloved son. You know, again, I do a lot of priest retreats as I'm older now too. And, you know, sometimes it's just hard enough to get priests to know that they are beloved sons of the father, right. you know? And so I think it's the core of, first of all, what men need to know that you need to know that you are beloved of God. And now you can go out and be his instrument, you know, to be love incarnate. You know, and so and then like four chapters of the 10 chapter book all has to do with the Holy Spirit, you know, that, you know, and Timothy, the bishop priest, you know, I always remind us that we all need to be reminded when Paul says, may I remind you to stir into a flame the gift that God gave you when we lay our hands upon you. The gift that God has given us is not a cowardly spirit, but one that makes us strong, loving and wise in the old translation. And so each one about living our life by the power of the Holy Spirit and not trying to do things for God, letting God live inside us and do things with us. And then the way it ends is to be a man who changes the world, because I think that we really got to have in our hearts this desire for other people to come to know Jesus, not to protestalize and not just to put a check and mark in our, in our, our, our belt, but because they're dying and they need to know the love of God. Think about how many people live in this fog and they never, I think most people live in a fog. And once they encounter the resurrected Christ, then everything changes. Like, where have I been? You know? And so it's, it's, that is to get them there. That be a man book. And then the next book was the surrender book, because I think, we all only have one purpose in life, and that's to do God's holy will, period. Whatever it is, God calls us all to different things, but to do God's holy will, we got to first of all desire that. We got to second of all surrender to his will, and we got to third of all make sure that we're listening to God. Again, I think too many people, they say their rosary, divine mercy chaplet, which I do first thing every morning, do my holy hour every day, but I only do half of it doing my office and all this stuff, rosary. But then the other half, I keep my mouth shut, you know, because I need, if I'm going to speak God's word, I got to make sure that I'm listening to God. And I just think it's so important that all of us learn to listen to God. I have a new book coming out soon called Just Live It, Living the Ten Principles of the World's Most Famous Prayer, which of course is the Lord's Prayer. People are going to hate the book. 
because it's just like I break it up into 10 principles. Like the first principle is ours. It's the love principle. We must love everyone without condition. And so every time I say that prayer, it's like, am I loving everyone without condition? Or am I putting conditions on? Well, I love you if you come to Christ. I love you if you stop sinning. I love you if, 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 if. The things that God has never done to us. He loves us even in the midst of everything. And it's his love that transforms us and brings us into a conversion of heart. You know, and so that's what we got to be doing. And so like, or like, forgive us as we forgive. And so I say, so every time you pray this prayer, you're asking God to forgive you if you're forgiving and to damn you if you're not forgiving. I hate you, Father. But that's the point. So it's like one of the realities is that even the prayers we pray, we got to make sure we really pray what we mean and know what we're praying. And so all those things are very much about just trying to live God's will every day and how to listen and how to apply it. You know, the the greatest will of God is that we love him and we love others, huh? period. You know, however we do that, to love God above all things, to give our life for other people. Um, doesn't mean we're not strong with them. You'll see when I get up there, I can be pretty strong. But it, men, I think, respond best to that. You know, too often, you know, when a boy wants to become a man, what does he do? He goes into the service. When he goes into the service, what do they do? They treat you real nice in, uh, you know, the first two weeks of service in boot camp. Oh, guys, are you okay? No, they kill you. Like, get out of bed. What do you think this is? And yet in church, we, we're, we bring men to church and we say, oh, guys, God loves you just the way you are. Can you make sure you give some money to us so we can continue? And guys don't respond to that. So when I come, I call myself a spiritual drill instructor. So I come and I kick them in the butt so that they can go, yes, this is what it is to be a man. I am called for greater things. You know, I am called to put my most for God. You know, again, we'll put like any, like if I like adoration here, I make the men do it in the middle of the night. And when I do this, I'll sit there and I started, everybody just moaned at me. And I said, gentlemen, if I promised you after one year, if you got up in the middle of the night every week for one hour to be with Jesus, I'd give you a million dollars. Would you do it? And every man there who says, well, of course, you give me a million dollars. Yeah. Then I say, you look at Jesus and tell him why you won't do it for him. You do it for a million bucks, but you won't do it for Jesus. What are you living for? Who are you living for? And then, so that's the kind of questions I think we all have to be asking ourselves. Am I living the life that's loving God above all things? Am I doing what I do for love of him above all things? Or am I fitting him into my life? So again, I just think the call of God is to, like I tell people when I sign one of my books, I say, what's your name? And they'll say, Joe. And I'll say, Joe, be a saint. That's you, Father Larry. And I'll hand it back and I'll say, or go to hell. The option you got, you become a saint or you go to hell. Oh, Father, how about purgatory? You're going to become a saint. Don't shoot for purgatory because if you don't make it, it's not going to be good. But if you shoot for heaven and you get purgatory, that's okay. So again, to be saints, if that's what God's calling us to be and the challenge. And it's not easy. It's to pick up your cross, huh? Not, the, not like have it your way. Go for the gospel. So, so let me play devil's advocate. <clears throat> okay. I'm a young man listening to you. And I, I'm trying to discern God's will for, my, for me. And I don't know how. I have no idea here. So what practical advice as a pastor, as a, as a, as a spiritual father? All right, Frank, what would you do? How do you start the discernment? Talk, talk to the biggest me. thing is prayer. That you got to know. Everything began with Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, 1, 1, 1. 
when Jesus was baptized and God the Father looked at him and said, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So for young people, my biggest thing is you've got to come to know that God loves you and that he loves you as a son. And that that's the way, same way he loved Jesus, the same way he loves you. And then as you get to know that, he's not going to lead you in some, you know, like I had one of my, I'm a spiritual director of a lot of seminarians. And one guy called me years ago and says, oh, father, I love, if God wants me to be a priest, I'll be a priest. But I love Sarah. <laughs> he says, marry Sarah. <laughs> you know, that's okay. God is going to only give you what's going to bring you peace in his will is our peace and his will is our peace. And so I always say like my whole surrender book, that's the whole point in his will is our peace. So once you come to know the love of God and then you respond, I'll do anything you want. And that's what I did when I was a boy, when I got to know he was real. And I said, Jesus, I'll do anything you want, whatever that is. And he said pretty clearly with me that I want you to be a priest. And I said, okay. And I always, I never doubted it once today, which is a rare thing. I was even thrown out of major seminary because of my preaching. But anyway, but still, even after I was, I always knew this is what God wanted me to do because he told me, I want you to be a priest. And I said, okay, I'm not the best for this. You know that, don't you? And he goes, I know, that's why I'm calling you. You know, so again, to, to, the person has to learn how to pray and has to come to really listen to God to begin with where it all began with Jesus. Like again, right. all begins with you are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now Excellent. you can do anything you want. Yeah, well, well said, well said. I, I, in many ways, <clears throat> I think it's, it's the role of men in the life of faith is something that we have to really, that's why I think the conference in, in Connecticut is such an excellent, we have to, we really have to emphasize because, um, too many men have walked away. Sure. Too, too many men have not active in the faith. And quite frankly, like you said so well, too many men are caught up in this mediocrity, this culture of mm -hmm. mediocrity, where not much is expected and therefore not much is asked and therefore not much is done. But what's interesting is that, and you and you probably know this better than I do, when you look at Kara and you look at some of these surveys, the impact that a father has on the life of his children in faith is actually more formative than the role of the mother in the life of faith. Absolutely. Right. Do you want to talk Absolutely. a little bit about that? Your experience sure. in that world? <clears throat> and again, uh, like John Paul II, again, he walked in the middle of his father in the middle of the night and his father was awake. And what was his father doing? He was on his knees in prayer. That's why John the Paul II was such a great man, because his father was a good and holy man. And again, too often, like I sit there and like often when they, people, guys will come and they'll say, oh, father, uh, you know, my wife's the religious one. I said, what else are you going to confess today? Your job is to be the leader of the household. And a leader is not that, hey, you're here to serve me. The leader is you're here to die for your wife and kids. No one's here to serve you. You're here to be a servant to your wife and kids. So every day when you wake up, you got to think, how can I die for my wife and kids today? And that's a different reality. Often, I think that too many men and people in general are cultural Catholics. You know, I went to Notre Dame for a degree in liturgy. And when you go to Notre Dame, everybody goes there and they go to a football game and they go nuts, you know, the day before. Then they get to the game and they go rah, 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 rah over a pigskin. And yet, men, when they go to mass, 
and also with you. And I often think God the Father is saying, how come you get crazy over a pigskin, but you don't get crazy over my son? who gives everything for you. So we got to take them beyond the cultural reality and say, like, again, I'm with Danny Abramowitz. You know, Danny Abramowitz, he does a lot of men's conferences. He used to be on EWTN and he was, uh, he was the, he was one of the coaches at the saints. He played for the saints and won a lot of, uh, uh, still has, um, you know, those things you get at whatever, you know, uh, records anyway. So he always says, Jenna, uh, gentlemen, your kids are always going to love their mother want to be just like you huh and so the reality is so if a person looks at you as a father what do they see and i always talk about the reality that you're really not you know the father of these children when jesus said call no man father he sure didn't mean priest he meant the guy who is intimate with your mother and begot you that man is not truly your father he's the sacrament of fatherhood but he's like saint joseph when you look at your father your father's supposed to show you who God is. So everybody, it says, sir, I'd like to see Jesus. It's like, dad, I want to see God the father in you. And so that means the, the biggest thing for us, still in men, is that they men of faith. So when their kids look at them, they see God the father, they see a man of faith. And I say the best way that you're a man of faith is if you love your family. They should say, because God is love and we need to be incarnate love. They talk about you as a father. They should say, my dad is the most loving man that I know. He's the most loving man that I know. Why? Because he shows me God. And so that's always the call. So the call is not to be stronger and I'm going to sit there. That's part of it. But strength comes from the Holy Spirit, not from you lifting weights. (laughs) That's a big reality that the power of God inside of us must come from God himself, not the world's power and strength but God's power and strength. Right. Yeah. In the end, it's, it's the whole idea, which is seems so new because we talk about it in new terms, but it is as ancient as the upper room. Mm. The whole idea of encountering the Lord Jesus, as you say, in a, in, in a way that is real a way that's transformative a way is always and has always been in the household of faith. It is always meant to have occurred when we were little kids, when we're young and we mirror, just like you said, the maternal and paternal love of God that comes through our mothers and fathers. And Mm -hmm. together, together, that is the symbol of the symbol in the true sense, the manifestation of God's love, right? together absolutely mom and dad and when one is missing you're not getting the full picture whatever that's missing and if it's both missing then then a poor child really has an uphill battle because the love of god is mythical then absolutely is that that fair way of putting it it is and i i often say because like if anybody ever reads my uh be a man book they'll always i've had people write to me and say father you have issues and i go i have lots of issues but the reality like my father my both my parents were police officers in the city of pittsburgh you know growing up in pittsburgh and my mother graduated highest ever from the pittsburgh police academy and my father was a canine man but my father was a very bad alcoholic and so he wasn't present because his father was an alcoholic my dad died when he was 43 years old which is a baby You know, his dad died at 52 years old, which is a baby, all of alcoholism. So there has been brokenness there. But from the very early age, it's like God always revealed himself that I'm your father. 
that I'm the one who's your dad. You know, and all the brokenness in your family, it affects you, but you can go beyond it. And that's why it's so important that I think that I always say that we have to get to know God as father for all of us. Because, you know, I have men and women constantly say, father, I have a father wound. We all have father wounds. None of our parents were perfect, but they did as best they could. But now God wants to come and heal that wound and reveal to you who father is, what a father is. And a father who loves his children, he goes looking for them. A father that sends Jesus to pay for our sins. A father who does everything for love of us. The, I always love the image that we are the apple of God's eye, meaning that this moment we were created, God doesn't look at anything without looking at us. So much does he love us. And I just think if we can come back to the reality of like, I often take people through a prayer experience about, we start with just their breathing. And I think, think about how often you breathe and how often you become aware of it. What's the same with God? You know, Pope Benedict used to say, when we go to adoration, we go to pray, it's getting mouth to mouth resuscitation from God. That for God to, for us to breathe in, God has to breathe out. And so we have to stop every day and become aware of that reality. That God is so close to me and he loves me and he did created me because he wanted me to exist. <laughs> and so right. he knew right. all the, the problems I'd have in my life. He knew all that stuff, but he still knows right. what is best right. for me. And he right. has a plan. And if I surrender right. to his plan instead of mine, I'm right. going to have great peace. So then, <clears throat> so then building on this, which is tremendous insight, I, it's only grown in my, in my reflection in the last few years how blessed we are as Catholic Christians because we have a second family, right? Mm. So it's interesting how we use our language. We speak of Holy Mother Church, right? Mm -hmm. And we also speak of priests as our fathers. And in a sense, there's an ecclesial family that has mother Absolutely. and father, right? To be the other conduit to either reinforce what you've had as a little child, if please God, you had it through your natural mother and father, or in the in the growing numbers of people who have had more issues and more difficulties and more challenges, to have another place and family where you can have a father and mother come together to provide the face of God's love, right? Is that is that Absolutely. a fair way of putting it? Exactly. And I think but even the, the fatherhood of priests, you know, again, we often forget that that's who we are. But like when I was at the boys school, I was there for nine years. And by my time, 11 guys got ordained and they all make me look like I'm a liberal. You know, they're just very solid and very much because my job was to love them, but to love them as a father, you know, to to call them again. It's our friend, Justin Fatika. When I first started there, Justin was the biggest pain in my butt. And the reality was that I challenged him and I loved him. And we got him into a retreat program where he came and got on fire for the love of Jesus. Now he goes throughout the world and preaches. He makes me look gentle. Sometimes I have to walk out of the room because he's too strong for me, you know. But again, it was, it was instilling fatherhood to all these boys when I was a priest there for a boy's high school and to give them spiritual life. And so I really think that the church when we are so authentically who we are as church, when priests take their fatherhood seriously, when they love the priesthood instead of complaining about it or complaining about the church or complaining about the Pope, which is a big thing nowadays, just stop it. Just be a man of prayer, of love. Love the people that God has given you. Shepherd them. 
and God can bring healing and he can raise up new shepherds. It can be the most powerful reality that we do. Father Larry, our listeners may not know who Justin Fatika is. Yes. How is, how could that be? He has hard as nails ministry and he goes around and he brings young people into this intimacy with God in ways that I, we've done retreats together and we do father's son retreats and I take the fathers and he takes the sons. And he is just one of these people that has one desire to bring people into intimacy with Jesus. And he does it in a strong way. He's not a wimpy guy. He's not a a tiptoe through a tulip stick guy. He's a strong man. And, but he has with his heart as nails ministry, he has every year that people come to work with him and they go around literally the whole world just to bring young people to Christ, especially people who have hard lives. You know, once when he was still teaching or he was doing a youth ministry out in New Jersey, someone came and he told him to go to bed or something and they refused. And the kid came up and took the knife and put it next to his throat. He said, I'll kill you, man. And Justin says, you may kill me, but I'll still love you. And the kid started to sob and cry. And Justin could hug him. These are the type of people that Justin can reach out to. Sometimes the people the church are not dealing with, they're not coming to church on Sunday. They could care less about the church, but Justin goes to them. He goes to high schools. He goes to public high schools. He goes to Catholic high schools. He goes to parishes and just preaches the love of God. Uh, to these young people. He's been a very effective minister of the love of Christ. I've known Justin for years and years at this point. And and I think when he goes into the public schools, he talks about the virtues, which again is something we forget about. And it's something for both men and women, especially guys, young guys, they got to learn virtues and how to live a virtuous life. Otherwise, grace is, is, is landing on desert soil. Right. And he's still preaching Christ without preaching Christ. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, of course. Really? It's pre-evangelization is what it is, really. Exactly. It's the soil. Right. <clears throat> exactly. But I think <clears throat> what I've always found attractive, the key insight of Heart as Nails, and I think it's spot on in our modern world, most especially in this COVID world, and that is suffering. You have a choice. You either run from it or you face it. And you got to be as hard as nails, as the saying goes, to face it. But that is where you enter into the sacred heart of Jesus. That is where you begin to, everything we've talked about, especially you have said so beautifully, Father Larry, becomes a moment where it's real, when you don't run away from the wounds, but you go into the wound and say, now, what do I do now? And that's where God can whisper and say, but I've been here all along. Exactly. Right? And we go and we do more than face and we embrace it. And when we embrace it, we embrace the cross and then the cross becomes light, you know, because then Jesus says, take my cross upon you. So when we fight it, it's hard, it's difficult, but when we embrace it, it becomes light because Christ holds most of it up. And we just have that splinter that we have to carry. Exactly. It's that embrace. And that is where in the end, we're hoping as a church um, to re- discover the power of charisma, the proclamation of Jesus's death and resurrection. Everything else makes sense. If you believe that, if you don't believe that, then the rest of it's kind of, (laughs) you can watch about how many people don't believe. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's, it's funny that we're, it's almost like we're starting all over again. And that's a fantastic thing 
because yeah. I think that we got to get back to basics because that's where the people are. That's what they need now. And so we meet them there, you know, and I sit there and think, you know, as I get older, maybe 20 years left, who knows, but I want to make sure that these next years, however the Lord gives me, that we're working full time just to get more and more people home to him and to experience him and his love. God bless you. Really, thank you for, you for, for all your ministry. Tremendous. Tremendous. God is good. What we can use any jackass is what I always do. So I always fit the bill. So there you go. So sorry. So sorry, Bishop. Excuse me. What a conversation. This is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. His Excellency is speaking with Father Larry Richards. And if you want to see them both live, it'll be in about a month at the Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference in September. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a listener question for Bishop Caggiano. I'm Steve Lee from Veritas Catholic Network, and I just want to tell you quickly about the Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference. I've been going to this annual event for the past five years or so, and it's just a fantastic day. This year, the conference is on Saturday, September 24th at Northwest Catholic High School in West Hartford. It's an easy trip from anywhere in Connecticut, and you'll be happy you went to spend the day with hundreds of your Catholic brothers fellow men who are striving to be good fathers, strong husbands, and faithful Catholics. The theme this year is the Most Holy Eucharist, and the speakers are going to be Bishop Frank Caggiano, Father Wade Menezes, Father Larry Richards, and Father Chris Alar. Men, it doesn't get much better. There's also going to be Mass, Adoration, Confession, and Fellowship. Again, it's September 24th, and you can go online to get more information or to register. The website is ctcatholicmen.org. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. All right, Excellency, here is this week's question. It says, Bishop Frank, could you address the topic of angels? Who are they? How did they become angels? I understand that normal people, after a life of extreme devotion and service to the Lord and with a miracle, can become saints. But how did angels become angels? That's a great question. And, you know, it's funny. It, there's a fascination with angels in the contemporary secular world, right? Hallmark loves angels all yes. over the place. <laughs> but, but angels are part of creation. They are purely spiritual beings that reflect the glory and majesty of God. And unlike ourselves, who are both spiritual and material, they are pure spiritual. So the tradition holds that they exercise free will once, which then determines their reality for all, for all eternity. And therefore you have fallen angels of which the father of evil is the prime. So we can never become angels. We are meant to be angelic like the angels to always be at the disposal and service and worship and adoration and glory of God but we are also material and they never will be. So there is an opinion in the church and it's not in the catechism. There's an opinion in the church that actually humanity is a higher creation than the angels because when the incarnation occurred, he did not become an angel. He took on a human life. Fascinating idea. Is that? Perfect answer, Bishop. Good job. You like that, Father Larry. I know why you're a bishop and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. 
So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it into us on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we would like to thank our wonderful sponsor, Foundations in Faith. It's a grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization that makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. And Father Larry Richards, wow, thank you for coming on with us today. Absolutely. Where, where can listeners get more from you? They can go to just download our app, uh, our hope TV, dot, uh, just our hope TV in your app store or go to the reason for our hope.org. But I'm really looking forward to coming up and being with you guys up in Catholic, uh, Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference on September 24th. You be there. Amen. Amen. Even I'll be there. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> for one, what more could we desire? Oh, just bring aspirin. Whoever's, whoever's coming, bring some aspirin. <laughs> Okay, now, Father Larry, I yeah. am going to ask you to sure. give a, bless us all as a final blessing for our time together. Absolutely. Father God of love and mercy, we ask your blessing upon everyone who's listening to us now. Help them to know your deep love for them and bring them to a deeper knowledge of you and your church. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Father Larry, have a safe trip to, to England. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We're praying for you. Thank you. God bless you.